This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Then we see some other names of people here. We don't know anything about them. You know, we see, for example, in verse three, a, someone called Thaddeus. We see in, in verse four, someone called Simon the Canaanite. That doesn't mean he was from Canaan of Galilee. We see the, the, them. We don't know anything about them. And it's interesting that when we look at this list here, that we see that some of the Lord's disciples did not become famous, quote unquote. I mean, they're not somebody that we recognize. They're not somebody who's like known to man. But it's interesting that even though they're not known to man, still they labor on for the Lord. And what these, these unrecognized, not famous uh, apostles really reveal to us is that they represent this group that's faithful, that's loyal, they're loyal workers in the Lord's service. The spotlight's not on them, not like it's on Peter and John, but these are not known to man, but they're known to God. And even though man's spotlight is not on them, God's spotlight is on them. Even though they're not famous in man's eyes, they're famous in God's eyes. This is where this verse comes into play here in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. They might be feeling like I'm wasting my time. My labor is, is in vain in the Lord. No one even knows I'm here. No one even knows what I'm doing. But nevertheless, it says in 2 Timothy 2.19, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. As a matter of fact, there's like this divine seal that's being spoken of here. The seal is like has a mark on it. And the mark says, the Lord knows them that are his. You can imagine the Lord thinking of these unknown ones, these ones who are not famous, not prominent, when he says things like John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. I know them. You may not know them. I know them and I'm known of mine. 
And John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. To man, they're unknown, but to God, they're very well known. It speaks about in, in 2 Corinthians 6, it talks about these dichotomies, it's speaking about, uh, about the Lord's workers, as unknown and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened and not killed. These are the ministers of God, they're called in 2 Corinthians 6, 4. So, Here's this list, the known, the unknown. They're all sent out. They're all important to the Lord. It says in verse five, almost like to emphasize, these 12 Jesus sent forth. It's almost to say, these 12 made up the known, made up the prominent, the famous, and the unknown, the Lord Jesus sent out. Now, he sends them out in verse five, and the language is pretty strong, where it says, these 12 Jesus sent forth, he commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. This is a command from the Lord. Don't go into the way that leads to the Gentiles and don't go into any city of the Samaritans. He says, they're just not to go there. When the way of the Gentiles, there's road. Galilee was called Galilee of the Gentiles. Why? Because Gentiles lived there. Galilee was a mix of Jewish people and Gentile people. So that meant that there were roads went to the regions of the Gentiles, and there were regions and there were roads that went to the Samaritan cities. And this is what we find when the one time when the Lord Jesus was returning back from Jerusalem back up to Galilee, and he had to go through this area of the Samaritans, it says in John 4, 3, he left Judea, and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. So he has to go through Samaria. He's on a road back to Galilee. He doesn't go into the city, but he's on the outskirts of the city there, and as he's on the outskirts there, he stops at a well, and he meets a, a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritans were considered half Jews and half Arabs, and they built their own temple north of Jerusalem. They were really set there in that place by the Assyrians uh, after they had conquered Israel, then they set these people there. And uh, they were not considered by the Jews to be Jewish. And so we see in verse five, the Lord's commanding his disciples, don't go on any road that, that goes into a, a Gentile city and don't enter into a Samaritan city, why? That's a question for us. Why didn't the Lord want his messengers to carry the good news of sins forgiven, a home in heaven? Why? Not to the Gentiles. Clearly, it's not because the Lord didn't love the Gentiles. He said in John 3:16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The world is referring to the world of Gentiles. So he loves them. 1 John 2, 2, he's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the Lord Jesus didn't just die for the sins of Israel. He died as a payment for the sins of the world, the world of Jews and Gentiles. And clearly, the Lord had in view that after his resurrection, he's going to be sending them, his disciples, to the Gentiles, when he says in Mark 16, 14, afterward he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them that he was risen. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
So we find the disciples, they're waiting. What should we do? What are our orders from heaven? In the beginning of the book of Acts, when he appears to them and he says to them, well, is this the time now that you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? And he responds to them, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the Lord is telling them here in Matthew 10 that they should temporarily limit their outreach to just the Jewish people. He was telling them that there's an important sequence in the Bible, and that sequence is Romans 2.10. It's the sequence of to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Number one to the Jew, number two to the Greek. So God operates with organization and with structure. And that's what we see in the creation. We see organization and structure. And so God's view of the world is that they have to be reached through an organization and structure that he designed to reach the world. That was Israel. That's why he called Israel a kingdom of priests in a very important passage in Exodus 19.4, which really lays out the purpose for Israel with regard to the earth, the world. Exodus 19.4 says, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So Israel was a people that was going to be, at one point in their history, when they were in Egypt, Israel was a people that was going to be wiped off the list of surviving people. This is what it was when in Egypt. In Egypt, all the Jewish people were trapped. They were trapped, far worse than the Nazis. We all talk about the Holocaust. The Holocaust was not all the Jewish people. But in Egypt, it was all the Jewish people. They were all trapped there in a fatal grip of the Egyptians. And in Egypt, all of the Jews, there was not one Jew who was outside of Egypt and outside of this grip. And within Egypt at that time, the Jews were being systematically exterminated through a crushing workload and a killing of the Jewish babies. Now, you take one step back and you look at that kind of situation, and you say, that's hopeless. The steady destruction of the Jewish people, pretty soon there would be no Jewish people, and that's what the Egyptians wanted. So the physical situation of the Jewish people at that time looked like the situation of a person in his life apart from God. Hopeless. A hope, slow destruction, eventually to be cast into hell. And that was the experience of the Jewish people that God intended to reach the world with the hope of rescue and with the eternal life through God. But at that point in their history, it all looked bleak. And that situation of hopelessness in Egypt is something that God wanted Israel to never forget. That's why the Passover is arguably the most important holiday among the Jewish holidays. And so he starts off, before he tells them that they're a kingdom priest, he says in, in, in Exodus 19.4, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings to bring you unto myself. So this is the message 
that God wants to tell Israel, when you were in Egypt, I swooped down like an eagle, you got on my wings, and I took you out. I carried you out. You were about to be destroyed. I saved you. I brought you out as a rescued people, and now you are not to live your life without me. You're not to say, well, I'm glad you did that for me by God. And that's not because God told Israel, I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself, unto myself. In essence, what God was saying to Israel is that now you have a new life. Your new life is that you are not to live your life as you were before when you were in Egypt. You're gonna have a new life now, and this new life is going to be characterized by two words, unto myself, unto myself. So here on out, you're gonna be a people that's gonna be close to God, is close to God. Just like us, when it says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him that which died for them and rose again. It's a new life. Our lives are now, it's like with Israel, was their life was to be an expression of God on the earth. Our lives to be an expression of God, which is why it says in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ. What's that mean? It means that when we live, we are to be an expression of Christ through our various personalities. That's what it means. And then it goes on to say, and to die is gain. Now, that's not necessarily referring to the time when we die and have a funeral for us, but the process of dying to self is a good thing. That's a benefit, that's gain. And when we center ourselves on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we see that everything we need is in him. Like David said, thou art my spring of water, so necessary. So that's why 1 Corinthians 1.30 is seeing that. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, and the list can go on. That's the new creature. That's the new creature of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so when we look at ourselves, when we see ourselves, we imagine ourselves apart from the Lord Jesus compared to ourselves united to the Lord Jesus, then Colossians 3, 3 comes into play. You are dead for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also appear with him in glory. So, in other words, life independent of Christ, dead. You are dead. Life united to the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 3, 3, your life is hid with Christ. That's life. So this is what it is. As we said, Israel, new characteristic of life is unto himself in Exodus 19.4. And God kept saying this over and over again in the history of God's communications with Israel. He said in Deuteronomy 7.6, the Lord hath chosen you to be a special people unto himself. The Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself. In Deuteronomy 28.9, the Lord shall establish thee an holy people unto himself. See what he's saying here? He says, you're a special people unto himself. You're a peculiar people. You're different from the world unto himself. You're a holy people unto himself. 
and he says in Deuteronomy 29, 13, that he may establish thee today to be for a people unto himself. This is what God is saying. I want you to be my people. You're not automatically born my people, but you have to become my people. As he says in Deuteronomy 29, 13, you need to be established as a people unto himself. Unto himself is the goal, but unto himself is the process that has to be accomplished there. So this is what the Lord Jesus was doing also with these disciples, these apostles, when it says in Mark 3.13, when it says, he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. So the apostles being 12, not by accident that they're 12, are the mini Israel. They are the example of what God intended for Israel to be. So in essence, without saying it, he's really designed it so that the mini Israel, the 12, are to go out and to fire up the whole. In other words, to get the rest of Israel on the track because God's original plan was the structure and organization of Israel to reach the world. And he said that I actually set the boundaries of the Gentile nations according to the children of Israel, in other words, so that you could reach them, Israel. That's what he meant when he said Deuteronomy 32.8, but when the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. So you can almost say, is there population control? Yes, there is, <laughs> but God's doing it. And he's doing it, he's saying, We'll let the Gentiles expand to this much, but we've got to let the Israel expand correspondingly so that they can reach them. That's what he has in mind there. And the ultimate purpose of Israel is really seen when these, not just 12, but now 144,000 of them in Revelation 14, that they are redeemed and they follow the Lamb wherever he goes, it says in Revelation 14.4. They are unto himself people these 144,000, and they go out, and I think that one of them is referred to in Zechariah 8.23, where it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that 10 men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. When that happens, then the world can say, finally, they're using the skills that God has given to them of persuasion, of sales, and instead of selling diamonds and furs and used cars, now they're promoting the gospel, finally. So, and this is the scene when one Jew, 10 Gentiles come, all speaking 10 different languages. Well, I'd sure like to see that. And they all saying the same thing. You take us, take us to God. Now, this is a call, this is a special call that God has to Israel. So special call is to come to God himself. As he says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, thou mayest obey his voice, thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days thou mayest dwell in the land. So the calling to Israel was, first of all, the call is come to be saved. That's why he's told his apostles, your message is repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come to be saved, as it says in Romans eleven twenty six, when it says, all Israel shall be saved. 
as it is written, there shall come forth out of Zion a deliverer, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God has called them, and in spite of their unbelief, in spite of their rebellion against God, in opposition to God, it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God has called them, and he's not changing his mind about it. He's not repenting and say, oh, that was a bad idea. I think I'll forget it. No. And he says in Romans eleven fifteen, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? As far as the world's concerned, when they get on track and begin to evangelize what they were supposed to originally, that's gonna be life from the dead, as it's called. Now, he says, goes on in verse six, he says, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Very sad when you see this word lost. Lost sheep of the house of Israel. They're lost. They're lost. Many don't even acknowledge that God exists. 80% of the Israelis, Jewish Israelis, are atheists. They're lost because they're atheists. Or they're lost because they're going about trying to establish their own righteousness, as Romans says. In other words, they're on a course of knowing a false god. They think this false god is going to accept them because of their religious good works. In Romans 10.3, they're going about, they're ignorant of God's righteousness and they're trying to establish their own righteousness. And so because of that, they can all say the words of Isaiah 53.6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. It may be a religious way, it may be an atheist way. Everyone to his own way. You know, I received an email last week from a Jewish man who received the book Changed. I read this and I thought, that's what lost looks like. Here's what he wrote. Read, changed, your book, liked it. I tried Jews for Jesus for many years ago, no good. I'm born Jewish like you. I admire your faith, but I just can't replicate it. I like Jesus, but I don't believe he's the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe there is no answer. I'm gonna try to be a doctor. I'm 66 years old, male, possibly gay. Lostness. <laughs> Lostness is, I like Jesus, but I don't believe he's the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe there's no answer. I'm gonna try to be a doctor. I'm 66 years old, I'm male, possibly gay. Now, if he doesn't believe that Jesus is the answer, then what's left? What's left? Well, one thing that's left is, there is no answer. Maybe that's the answer. There is no answer, that's what he's thinking. Well, what's left if you don't believe Jesus is the answer? Become a doctor when you're 66 years old. That's something. Become an esteemed doctor that others will look up to, or just the process. Get yourself so immersed in some pursuit, like medical studies, that you don't even think about it anymore. Or possibly gay. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's an open defiance of God. Maybe Psalm 2, verse 3 is the answer. Psalm 2, verse 3, and the answer says, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Maybe that's the answer. Why do we have to be kept in this bound and this cord of man and a woman? Why can't it be man and man? Maybe that's the answer. A wild casting off of God's moral restraints. What's all this? I don't know what the answer is. The answer is lost. That's what it is, lost. So what's the real answer? The real answer is repentance. The real answer is turning around. 
The real answer is saying, I believed that Jesus was not the answer. Now I repent, I change my mind. I believe that Jesus is the answer. That's the answer. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.